Welcome back to the Petcash Pod presented by Profluence Sports. I'm your host, Andrew Petcash. We had another great conversation today in my series where I interview founders, investors, athletes, and the smartest people in sports. Today's guest is Tom Waterhouse. Comes from an established sports betting and horse racing family out in Australia. He runs Waterhouse VC. He started TomWaterhouse.com, which got acquired by William Hill, and they've done a bunch of awesome stuff in the sports betting space. We got a deep one. If you like sports betting, horse racing, a little bit of crypto, where the market's going, US, Australia, fascinating conversation, a lot to learn. Tom's very knowledgeable. He lives, breathes, and uh, just loves sports betting. You can hear it in his voice. We talk about that a little. And uh, you'll get a lot out of this one. I certainly did. But without further ado, Tom Waterhouse, let's dive in. Tom, appreciate you uh, coming on today. Always good to have a fellow Aussie, a fellow mate. Um, <laughs> I need to get out Thanks, there just talking about, talking about the mangoes. But uh, nonetheless... Definitely. We won't be talking about that here. We'll dive into a bunch of interesting topics. So thanks for coming on. No, thanks, Andrew. Thanks. I want to start here. Give us, give us the background. You're doing a bunch of cool stuff, which we're going to get to. But, you know, set this story, set this up for us so, we're, so we uh, can get some glimpse of everything that's taken place before what you're currently doing now. Yeah, cool. Okay, well, look, my great-grandfather was a bookie uh, taking bets on horses in the 1800s. My grandfather was the biggest bookmaker in the world in the 60s. My dad was a bookie and has a, a large betting syndicate that bets on horse racing all around the world since 1980. He's actually never had a losing quarter betting for 43 years, which is which are unbelievable because obviously most people find it very hard to win at sports betting or race betting. Uh, and then I was a bookie straight out of college or university uh, in Australia and, and by 2008 was the largest on-course bookie in Australia. And it was a great business. Like you go to the races and bet in huge number, winning or losing millions of dollars. And there was just huge crowds and cash and money. But then obviously the internet re had really taken off and they changed the advertising laws similar to what they did in the US, opening up sports betting in 2018. That happened in around 2008 in Australia. And so all the on-course patrons st suddenly started betting online. So thought, well, I have to shift to online. Didn't know much about online betting or online businesses. I launched a business called TomWaterhouse.com and it became the fastest growing online sports betting business in Australia. It went from a hundred customers in 2008 to a quarter of a million customers within a year and a half. And it was an exciting journey, like very interesting and, and great. We had an advantage in that we bought up all of the sports media rights for TV across Australia. So we owned the AFL, the tennis, the rugby league, all of the big sports. But we didn't have the scale to compete with the likes of William Hill, Bet365, Flutter, which, who owns FanDuel, these type of companies. So we sold TomWaterhouse.com to William Hill as part of a, it was a $700 million roll-up, uh, three businesses. We were a very small add-on as part of that transaction. But they asked me to be CEO of that company. Um, so I was CEO of William Hill in Australia for four years. And then that sold to PokerStars or Stars Group with a transaction that involved Crown Bet, William Hill, and they sold to Flutter, which obviously that's financial, as I just mentioned. So I thought, well, what am I going to do? And really what I, it was easy to analyze the value of these large betting companies in that there were similar lines of the P&L. So you can analyze the value of Caesars or MGM or FanDuel or DraftKings. They're quite similar in how they operate. But what was hard to analyze was the tech 
behind these companies. So the suppliers to these companies, I thought, well, there aren't that many people that understand whether this piece of tech inside MGM or to inside FanDuel is very sticky. Has it got recurring revenue? Has it going to have more than one contract? And so we started up Waterhouse VC, which was a, a fund focused in investing in the tech layer of the gambling industry. And so I've been doing that since 2019. And, and uh, that sort of takes me to the journey and, and it sort of coincided with the opening up of US sports betting, which is, uh, is been just a, a huge um, turbocharged the industry globally and really made it a global industry and, and, uh, and really interesting time. Yeah, we'll get into the sports betting. I'm, I'm curious off this Waterhouse VC, TomWaterhouse.com. You see that as an advantage of having your name associated with this? Because I think we're seeing a little bit more of it. Or what are your thoughts kind of on personal branding behind companies as well? Well, look, I, I was like lucky in that I came into the space because my family had been in it for so long. So they've been in over a hundred years and the brand or name was very well known in Australia. So um, my mum was... Uh, leading horse trainer in Australia, um, won the Melbourne cup and, and won more group one races than any living tra trainer in Australia. My grandfather has won the most group ones out of any trainer in Australia and, and the family was known through bookmaking. So uh, it literally, uh, I was, uh, it was, I was lucky to have grown up and come from that background. And I basically thought I'd milk it as much as possible. <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah, that's the background. And, and then obviously as the brands build up and, and the time in the space, if you've got, if you're known a little bit in the area, well, and you've got that advantage, then use it. And then also what happened after that is that you saw the rise of, of really these social influences. And if you look at the most followed Instagram, Twitter, Facebook or anything on social media, TikTok, they're, they're actually individuals, you know? And so that's why you've seen, uh, the power of, uh, these companies that individuals like align themselves with, because people are interested in, in other people. You know, if you have a post from a large company, well, that might be somewhat interesting, but if people with huge followings like a Ronaldo or Messi or Kim Kardashian, I don't know who the, what depends, whatever space you're in they get a lot of traction. And so obviously I don't have anywhere near the following that those people do, but it's definitely got more cut through if you're coming from an individual point of view. I have to say though, in, in sports betting, you've seen obviously the Barstool and the ESPN um, and the pen transaction last, last week is that the cut through as an individual, we were the fastest growing online sports betting business in Australia for a period. But what I found branding as TomWaterhouse.com as an individual is that it gives you the ability to cut through very quickly and get a large amount of low cost per acquisition customers through the door. But the ability to scale from being, it's quite polarizing being an individual because some people, there's very few individuals that everyone loves, you know, so that polarization allows you to grow very quickly. But if you want to be a long-term business at scale, it's hard to get everyone as an individual, you know, and, and, you probably see that in America, I don't know, US politics, but with the Trump phenomenon, with the Trump like uh, following is that there's a lot of people that really love him, but then there's part of the population that doesn't, you know, and, and that's, uh, he's probably an extreme case of, of how an, an individual and a personality can really, um, yeah, drive people following mm. them and after them, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Well, I think Kanye West said something like, if you don't have haters, you don't have fans either or something like Correct. that. So I guess yeah, that's kind a, of the, you kind of need the combination of being, being individual, right, you know? Right. But it's, that's interesting though, too, 
if you talk about the long term though, because right, you want to get a, let's, let's just say it's 50, 50, 50% of the people like you, 50% of the people don't for a company to be sustainable. You almost have to use that one person to get the 50 quickly and then somehow sprinkle more in or yeah. to like increase and lower that. I don't know. That's it. It's interesting. Just thought experiment around brands yeah, and people there, involved. There was a lot of, even though we got a lot of customers as an individual brand, there was a lot of people that said they would never bet with a brand. Do you know what I mean? And if you have a mainstream brand, that might be a lot higher cost for acquisition, but they actually have 90% of the market they can go after. And, um, but there's definitely individuals out there that are that sort of everyone loves, you know, I think in Australia, Hugh Jackman, who doesn't like Hugh Jackman, you know, like, but yeah, there's, it is, it is tougher as, as an individual to get, get to the mass scale. Right. And you brought up the U.S. and Australian markets a little bit. You know, what, what learnings are you taking from Australia that you've had from, you know, before with you, your family for hundreds of years and now into these U.S. markets that are only four years old and still really in the early stages with Texas, California, Florida, still not even legal, the largest states. Well, it's, it, the market, the regulated markets are very similar. So you see that in Australia, the people that actually became dominated the, the Australian space and took the largest market share were, were from UK, UK and and they basically took the blueprint of what happened 10 years earlier in that market and said, well, this is how we run an online business. This is how we get to scale. This is how we manage the regulatory uh, landscape. And then you've seen in the US, the largest operators in the US, you've seen the likes of FanDuel owned by Flato listed on, on the London Stock Exchange. You've seen the, the deal that Entain has done. You've seen PointsBet come into the market there from Australia. You've seen that people from other places have come and said, look, this is how we've seen and, and what we've seen before. Let's try and add some expertise and come into this market and they've had success. And so it's a, it's a similar um, playbook. Also, Australia is quite similar in that the largest sport in Australia, even though it's not on mainstream television, is basketball. So mm-hmm. it's more popular than Aussie rules and rugby league and rugby union. Uh, basketball is the number one betting sport here in Australia. So I think there's definitely a great knowledge of, of sports betting in Australia. Of, and how that played out in the US and also the regulatory landscape in terms of what the taxing environment looks like, how to manage that increasing tax environment, and also what the restrictions and making sure you've got the right safety measures in with players, making sure you're working with the regulators, all of that's happened. Yeah, that's interesting. And you brought up even the ESPN a little bit and their partnership with Penn now. They have, I don't know, they have betting odds, previews, trying to think of what was in their press release but you know what's that look like even compared to the australian market like are we starting to see some of these new products enter the u.s markets that were in australia first i know micro betting's getting hot now it seems like there's still a lag effect yeah look australia is a disadvantage in terms of lending product in that it doesn't allow in-play sports betting online and it doesn't allow uh gaming online so but you see that the market leader in UK, America, and Australia is Flutter. You know, so you've got in, in the UK, you've got Paddy Power, Betsair, Skybet, part of Flutter. You've got FanDuel in the US, and you've got the leading operator in Australia, sportsbet.com.au. So those, an operation like that takes learnings and insights from the trading team across all three jurisdictions and takes insights in terms of marketing and player retention and customer experience and basically that whole customer journey. And they're, they're very good. These large global companies have taken talent that's the head of the operation or 
two IC of operation in let's say Australia and bringing them back to HQ over in in the UK and then taking that talent the next level down or whatever to the US and and mixing that up and really taking what's working well in one area and and the other and and it had a great set of leaders from like Breon before Peter Jackson now Peter Jackson they know how to run these global companies and and really get the best of each market and, and the learnings from each market and and apply it and and do it successfully and really you've seen them take advantage of their scale and and they call it their flywheel effective really plowing it back into improving it at all ends and it becomes self-fulfilling I, I just it's i know when they came to australia i thought how are they going to apply what they've done in the uk but they just accelerated away from the competition and they've done that successfully with FanDuel in in the u.s applied similar playbook so yeah i think that's very similar similar learnings and obviously yeah. there's some specific things to each market it's much harder to sign up customers in the u.s than it is in the uk and, and australia you know so you have to have why some is that specific because each state is different. Obviously, if you sign up one customer in Australia, well, it doesn't matter where they are. So each state has different rules. And, and in terms of like, if you bet in Australia and the UK, it's, um, it's not a tax. It's not taxed if you're a, a puncher in those places. So in terms of like social security, like in terms of um, banking details, in terms of taxing, uh, in terms of like the products you can offer across states, if you, if you sign up a customer in, Queensland, they can bet with the same app and the same user experience and the same marketing across New South Wales or Victoria, where it's completely different to if you're in New Jersey and New York, you know, one offers gaming, one doesn't, you know, and, and different tax rates. And it's just a bit more complicated. Yeah. Good old US uh, founded on getting rid of taxes and now about every single possible thing you can ever think of as tax. So. That's yeah, but it's, ama- kind of- it's amazing. You don't realize that, or at least I don't from Australia, is that you've got like, each state is like a little mini country in a way, you know, I think <laughs> Australia is one thing, which, which is also a great advantage and probably why you guys are such a, an economic powerhouse in that it's not one set that either goes well or goes bad. You, you all compete and do things differently and challenge each other. And, you know, it's. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, you go, uh. Anywhere in the country, you're right. It's like completely different types of people, accents, dialects. It's it's wild, but uh, we'll save that for for a non sports podcast someday. But um, when you so 2019, right? You start this this VC firm. So obviously, you were more on the operating side. You obviously learned a bunch. You see U.S. legalized. I think it was 2018, or yeah, I think it was 2018, right? Yep. Uh, so now, what was the thought process? Okay, let's take our learnings and operation experience and go invest into what we know works here in Australia. And, uh, you know, how did you kind of go about that and what was the thesis behind it? Yeah, so I basically um, asked the, the best couple of like uh, engineers that I'd worked with over the, the period in, in sports betting and said, look, I think there's an opportunity here. No one's really looking at, at the tech of these. It's obviously the company's looking at the tech, but being able to value and understand how, how valuable they are to the sports betters, betting operations. Let's go and basically get an understanding of all the tech around the world, whether it's a, an e-sports data provider or a fixed odds racing provider or a uh, sports vision supplier or a mobile app developer or a voice betting solution. Let's go and look at all of the tech that's basically out there and maybe have one contract or two contracts with a Euro- European or or UK operator, and let's see if the, the tech behind it is actually good enough and can be applied 
to other markets. So it might not be just the US. The US is really the fastest growing and, and most exciting, but it might be the crypto market or it might be uh, the Africa opening up or South America or even expanding it into operators into Australia or, or further operators in Europe and UK is that often there's these young founders and they don't have to be young, but founders and they've built some really nice piece of tech and they've got a, one contract, but they're not, haven't got the blueprint of how to scale the business and also how to expand it um, beyond its area that it's, it's in at the moment. And I, and I saw that with, when I started TomWaterhouse.com is that I knew that I wanted to be in that space, but I didn't have a blueprint at all or understanding because I hadn't come from an online force betting background of how to scale it and what actually to do. And so we learn on the run, but there was a lot of leakage and a lot of uh, stuff that we could have not done if we just gone, well, that's the blueprint of what to do and how to do it. And so I thought that can be applied to a lot of, of the suppliers. Look, these are the types of contracts you should negotiate. These are the people you speak to. This is what's in it for them. This is how to get cut through the product roadmap. So these large companies, they have maybe 300 to 500 products on their product roadmap, and they may be releasing five new products a quarter. So how do you get on to them releasing it? You know, because for them, a large operator, if they just improve the bet flip or the sign-up process or make just a slight tweak to the customer experience with their existing database of X million clients, the revenue uplift significant than trying to trial a brand new product. They have no idea whether it's going to take off or not. So how do you get around that mindset to actually, for them to try it, to put some marketing dollars behind it? These are all things outside just building great tech. And so we thought we'd go in with that and, and just basically look at all the tech out there and what was interesting. And, and that was our focus. And we didn't know any other companies doing it. Like we knew a stack of companies analyzing whether Caesars was value at X times earnings, but not the tech. Are there any uh, pieces of tech now that you're keeping a close eye on or you find interesting? Because it seems like there's a lot of new technologies sort of at least built around sports betting from analytical tools to all the sports book in one place. You know, I'm seeing all these, you know, they all have names, TikTok for sports betting or, you know, whatever. They all like kind of label. Are there are any yeah. that you are you find pretty interesting? So we're in a voice, voice betting solution. So uh, voice betting and text. So like, for instance, um, the sports betting look and feel is very similar to maybe Google, like, I don't know, 15 years ago, where it's gone now to just, you simply type something in or you say it by voice. The sports betting user experience, whether it's in the UK, US, Australia is, it hasn't had huge change. You know, it's the same layout. Um, so we th think that's quite interesting. We're in like data providers for esports. For fixed odds racing, we're in uh, like sports betting platforms, building for smaller operators where it's not large buying costs. So taking percentage of revenue, we're in businesses that uh, do like managed trading services, like so take out the trading functionality of, of these large companies, mobile app developers. Uh, we look like looking at um, betting syndicates. So as I mentioned, most people. Uh, find it very hard to win betting because percentage is against you. But he, my dad's come from a background of, of running a syndicate for the last 43 years. So we have a deep understanding of that. We're in a, a tennis betting syndicate. We're looking at a horse racing syndicate at the moment. We like affiliate businesses. We're looking at uh, an affiliate business in the US at the moment. We see that the cost per acquisition is quite high there and, and getting 
customers onboarded uh, is quite difficult. So trying to ease up, make that process easier. And we're in a, a betting, uh, like odds comparison site that's crypto focused. So comparison with all of the different crypto operators and gaming products out there. So that's not to say that those are businesses that we are currently invested in. It's not to say that we just look at those businesses, but anything that's like different and in an area where there's high growth, um, we'll look at. Yeah. And what are your thoughts kind of around crypto and web three and blockchain? I guess it's all, it's all kind of the same thing, but it seems like you have some interest there as well. So I only know one thing, uh, which drives my wife, wife crazy because she thinks I'm ultra boring, <laughs> but I only know betting. So the, my interest in the crypto space is really that we've just seen unbelievable growth in the crypto space in terms of betting. So you see the largest operators in the US are growing revenues at like 90%, 80-90%. And that's amazing. You know, for a regulated market, it's incredible the job that FanDuel and DraftKings are, are doing. Um, but the crypto space is is just been amazing the growth that you've seen there with the likes of stake.com, sportsbet.io. And it's really just the beginning. So like there's a hundred online sports betting companies in Australia in a in a market that's $30 billion market. And that's not even with like that's including like gaming, which isn't online and not allowed by those sports betting operators. And you have global market of for crypto, it's one and a half trillion. Now it's not like for like in the there's a lot of gaming in there as well, but it's a huge market and there isn't that long tail of operators. So we think that there's going to be a huge amount of operators go into the space and they're going to need the, the services that a crypto operator needs and FanDuel needs and DraftKing needs and uh, Skybet needs in the UK and I don't know, Tabcorp needs in, in Australia or whatever market you're in are very similar. You know, if they all want to have full suite of products, unlimited gaming products, vision. They want to have the best customer experience. They want to have the best retention mechanisms. They want to have the best bonusing. So, yeah, we think it's very exciting because it just because high growth, it is not because I have a particular understanding of whether Bitcoin or Litecoin or Ethereum, I, I wouldn't know in terms of that. Well, just when you're talking, you can kind of see the, the passion and that you really like the space. Like what, is it just in your blood? Like what do you love so much about just sports betting, horse rating, the whole industry as a whole? Because you, you can just feel it like when you talk. Well, I think it's just such an amazing industry and in that it's been around since the beginning of time. You know, it's um, ever since the, the, the beginning, people have always bet, you know, and it's, um, and it's such a huge industry. And I remember my grandmother, she cried when she, I was at uni and I said, oh, I'm going to start working as a bookie. She's like, what? Like, I wanted you to be a doctor or something. You know what I mean? Like most <laughs> people don't, don't focus on, on the gambling space and it's high growth. It's interesting. Like, it's not as though you're like, I don't know. It's it's in it's interesting space. It's high growth. It's global. Um, and yeah, it's just it's exciting space. And I'm and I'm lucky that I've come from a background that I've lived and I've lived and breathed just this one sector. You know, like I literally with my grandfather and my dad talk about betting all the time. You know, so <laughs> I, it's good. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, what uh any other trends in the space you're paying attention to? terms of sports betting in terms of gambling horse racing you know wherever kind of the, the intersection of all your your areas i think the most money is being made in the crypto space these crypto operators are doing really really well and i think also it's like finding a needle in a haystack but if you can find an edge and factors the market don't appreciate 
and find an edge to win at betting, well, it's, it's highly lucrative because you're dealing against most of the market that's doing it as entertainment. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's not that if, it's not that if you have one bet on your basketball team a month, you know, you can't win, you can win, but if you're regularly betting all the time, the house edges against you. Do you, do you know what I mean? You, you've got to really find where the market is mispriced and you've got to understand factors that the market have not assessed to be able to beat the market. And so it's very hard to do that. You know, you, 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 there's only a few groups in the world that win significant money on, on betting, but that is also an area that we spend a lot of time looking at because if you look at the, the individuals that are, that are billionaires in the space, well, they're now these crypto operators, like the most expensive property in Australia was sold to founder of stake. And the the guys that are buying the biggest houses in London and all this stuff are running the biggest and own football clubs are the biggest betting syndicates. So that tells me that those two areas are are pretty lucrative, but that we don't only look at them, you know, we'll look at anything that we think is exciting. And, and I, I think in the U S I think it's really exciting time, but Sports betting, because I think the sports are going to do so well, both from a, a user engagement point of view, from a taxing taxing point of view, and extra income and revenue. I think, like, and I think also the media companies in the US, it's going to be lucrative because they're huge advertisers. Everyone's searching for scale. You still got half the US US to go, and and yeah, it's it's a really exciting time for not only the operators but the suppliers and, and, and the industry that's linked, like whether it's sports betting industry or the media industry, it's the U S is pretty, it's got a long runway of, of growth and exciting times ahead of it. I'm a firm believer that, uh, sports betting is one of the greatest things that has happened over the last, or we'll call it online sports betting or legal sports betting is one of the greatest things for the industry as a whole, because it's just opened up this growth in women's sports. And, and if you look at the, the trends the games are being watched more in places where you can bet on. And so like that's fueling women. So it's like honestly one of the greatest things. Yeah, there's, you know, there's concerns that people have, right? Because you can get too entrenched in this. But overall, I think it's it's amazing and just brings everything. And we see more and, and, you know, pickleball can be huge because you can bet on it or whatever the sport is. Well, if if you, uh, like if you love watching a certain basketball team, it doesn't matter if you have a bet or not, you'll love watching it. But if if you have a bet on, on a sport or something that you don't particularly like, but you've got something riding on it, gosh, you'll ride that game like there's no tomorrow. You watch the whole game, you watch all the ads, you'll, you'll be, uh, yeah, living and breathing it. And, uh, and yeah, I think it's, and also it, it's great that they've regulated because it's not that sports betting didn't exist in the US, mm-hmm. but you're bringing it onshore, you're taxing it, you're regulating, you're putting in the player protections, you're understanding the money flow. It, it's it's very hard to stop people. As I said, people have been betting since the beginning of time. It's hard to stop that out mm-hmm. from people doing it. It's just a natural way to humans are, I don't know why, but they like to bet, you know? And, and so if they're going to do it, regulating and taxing it and controlling it, yeah, makes, makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, Thomas has been a fascinating conversation. I like to keep them around 30. So let everyone okay. know where they can find more about you, websites, socials. Anything you got going on, uh, let us all know here where we can check yeah, it out. Yeah, waterhousebc.com. You're more than welcome, please. Uh, we send out a newsletter each each month on what we like, so more than welcome to come and check it out. Cool. Love it. Awesome. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.